you in the name of all that is good, all that is sacred, and in the warm and loving energy of this community, Spiritual Life Center. If you're joining us for the first time, we especially want to welcome you because we know that you are not here by accident. You're here by divine appointment. Thank you for joining us on your unique path today, and we hope you enjoy this special message from this past Sunday's service. Um, you know, it's an interesting thing. People are often sort of amazed at how everything comes together in the service. And essentially, you get the message three times. And some of this is just Paula's way of putting, uh, helping us put services together. And we have this flow. So you've had the lesson in music. You've had the lesson in meditation. And so let's talk about this for a while. <laughs> Excuse me. <clears throat> so everything is a story. Everything. Just my standing up, walking up here to the platform is a story. It can be a factual story. She stood, she walked, she stopped, and she started to talk. It can also be more dramatic. She leapt from her chair, sashayed to the podium, and gazed out at her audience saying, here I am. <laughs> I was gonna try that, but I decided not to. Or the story might say she stomped up to the podium and glared out at the audience. Now, all versions of these stories have an underli underlying facts. I stood, I walked, I stopped right here. I started talking. All the other bits are window dressing. They're projections. They're the judgments of the mind of knowledge. Like practically everything else in our metaphysical teaching, the idea of stories has two sides to it. On the one hand, we say it's all just a story, the implication being that maybe stories aren't a good thing. So how do we reconcile the idea that stories are bad when the fact is, life is story. You know, I was like, why are we confused? <laughs> the answer, of course, is our understanding of story, how we build stories, how aware we are of our embellishments and our projections. Now, to get a better understanding, we're going to take a little bit of a look at the anatomy of a story and see, you never know when that liberal arts degree in English is going to actually come in handy. <laughs> so stories. Of course, there's a plot, but first we need characters. We need their thoughts, their feelings, their actions, <clears throat> and there's a main character and there are secondary characters. Usually it takes those secondary characters to fill in a, lots of, a part of the drama, to build a complex story. But as all of you know, it's really possible for us to build a complex, dramatic story all by ourselves. We don't need anybody else to help us do that. And then there's the point of view from which we see the story. Point of view is the manner in which a story is narrated or depicted. It's who tells the story. The point of view influences the tone of the story and is instrumental in manipulating our understanding of the story. Remember that word, manipulating. The two most common points of view are first-person and third-person narrative. In third-person, the narrative 
doesn't figure into the events of the story, and they always refer to the characters in the third person. Third person uses lots and lots of pronouns. First person narrative is told from the point of view of the narrator, and it's colored by their feelings, their thoughts, their experiences. You might see where I'm going with this. Our stories are always from first person point of view, because the only story we can ever tell is our own. But wait, there's more. There is a literary device called the unreliable narrator, and you can have one in either, from either point of view. The unreliable narrator leads us astray, points us in different directions, confuses us. And at the end of the story, when we figure it out, we will probably call that unreliable narrator a liar. So it occurred to me that we are all storytellers, but we are all also unreliable narrators. We may not be unreliable intentionally, and according to Don Miguel, we really can't help it because it's the way we're trained. It's all, all we know. My story, your story, is always narrated from first-person point of view. We tell our story from our perspective, and that perspective is colored by our previous experiences, our mood, if we're hungry, if we're tired, if we're happy, if we're angry. We might even tell the, our, our story in two different ways within two hours just depending on where we are. We become even more un unreliable narrators when we start to incorporate our secondary characters into our story. We assign thoughts, emotions, and actions to others based on our internal landscape. And we often tailor those characters to fit into our own narrative because we all have the basic need to be right. Being right, what does that mean? It means that we're good. I'm a good person, I was right, we fit in, we feel safe. We embellish, we extrapolate, project, and as Reverend James said last week, we make stuff up. And man, do we weave some amazing story. The thing is, it's a given that we're gonna make stories. We make the world with our stories. And the question is, what kind of stories do you make? Now, to answer this, I'm going to cheat for a moment, and I'm going to go to a different book. <laughs> the book is What Are You? And I know that Reverend James has mentioned this a few times. Imelda Octavia Shanklin is the author. Uh, author. And she discusses our storytelling in lots of different ways, but she offers the best example I have ever read. When she was young, she and two other teenage girls were in a house. They were together for the night. And her friends asked the, her to tell them a ghost story. And so she decided to do that. She writes that the atmosphere was perfect for a ghost story. It was, very, it was a very dark night. They were in an isolated house. A fire burned in the fireplace. And so she told her story. And as she saw that her companions were frightened, she upped the story and heaped horror upon horror. Those are her words. Encouraged by her companions' reaction, she kept piling it on until she herself became horrified and terrified. And she said it took her a while for her friends to actually bring her back to, to herself. And when she did, she decided she would never tell another ghost story. And she didn't. So she takes us to this, this, this idea that we tell ourselves ghost stories all the time about not being good enough, that an illness might be worse than it is, that we don't deserve to have a good life. 
Don Miguel doesn't use that term, but that's what he's talking about in the voice of knowledge. We constantly tell ourselves ghost stories. And we do it because we were told ghost stories, and the people who told us those ghost stories were told ghost stories, and so it goes. So back to the questions, what kind of stories do you make? Do you tell ghost stories or happy ones? Do you work with facts and try to put them into a functional, sensible perspective? Or do you allow your fears and programming to run the narrative for you? Are you Anne Rice or Nicholas Sparks? Are you Edgar Allan Poe or Maya Angelou? Are you even aware of your perspective? A way to learn about, you, about your perspective is to look at your family's story. Now, Don Miguel mentions that it is very likely that your perspective on your family will be different from your siblings or other relatives. And this is so true. If you talk to my sister and my brother and me about our family, it would sound like we came from three completely different parents. Now, I mentioned this to a group the other day, and, and I said it sounded like we would come from different parents, and she said, you did. And in a way, we did, because my sister's relationship with my parents was different from, you know, from my relationship with them and different from my brother's relationship. And all of those different relationships, I started trying to count how many relationships there would be. Me with all my, you know, with everybody. And, blah, blah. and I came up to about 25 in a family of five. But the more I tried to figure out how many ways those stories would go, I, my eyes crossed and I just had to quit. But you think about that, how many different stories you can have with just maybe even three people. Those three people each have their story and then there's the, I mean, it just spirals out. And so that's just, it was so, so, such a, a, a such an interesting way to think about it. You know, when, when the person said, I did, we all did have different parents, we did. You know, we are the central character of our stories, and everybody else is a secondary character. Everyone. And like I said, I just kind of get dizzy thinking in earnest about how many stories were just circulating in my family with people I thought I knew, and who thought knew me. And I had to laugh, because my next thought was how wrong all of them were, at least about me, in my story. I can make up more than one ghost story about how my family didn't get me. And then I remind myself I didn't get them either because, really, I never knew their stories. And sometimes I think the closer we are to each other, the less we know stories sometimes. But this, so this contemplation told me that I know absolutely nothing about anybody else's reality, their experiences, their feelings, their emotions. All I know is what, I, th th what they tell me, and that's their story, and I, all I know is what I do with that story in my own story. So when I try to incorporate someone as a secondary character in my story, they might dovetail with mine, or they might conflict with mine. And unless I pay attention and ask questions and look to facts, I may never know. Still, all of us will always tailor our secondary characters to fit our narrative. We really can't help ourselves. We have to make them fit because our story has to make sense. And this brings us back to the concept of narrative and the point of this year's Faith in Action. How do we open to inner peace? We do it by becoming reliable narrators. 
But how do we learn to look for truth and leave those lies and the ghost stories behind? Don Miguel gives us clues that he calls rules. Don't believe yourself. Don't believe anyone else. That's a pretty sweeping statement. But I think he makes these kinds of statements to spur us into thinking. Because if you've noticed, those of you who are reading the book, he makes a lot of these just sweeping statements. And you're going, whoa, wait a minute. And then it gets you to think about it. What he's telling us, excuse me, is to stop and listen and to pay attention instead of running on autopilot. <clears throat> Keep in mind that we actually do have an autopilot. It's called the subconscious. It's not that we always lie to ourselves. There are times when we can wake up and hear and see what is really going on within our minds. And the key is to learn to listen, to pay attention to that inner dialogue. When you notice that you are saying negative things to yourself, when you feel icky, it's a pretty good bet that you're repeating lies, that you're telling a ghost story. As you become aware of that self-talk, you can consciously change it. And the same goes for not believing anyone else. Stop and listen, and then think about what's going on in your head. Again, if it doesn't feel good, if it makes you doubt yourself, you're believing lies. And the reason we have to pay so much close attention to our inner dialogue is because all the knowledge that the subconscious has co collected runs under the surface and has been there for so long that it just feels normal. The subconscious does not have a filter. It just takes it in and goes, okay, we'll do that. <laughs> and the thing is, is we don't even notice it because it's been there. It's like when you first get into a tub of hot water. At first, you're hyper aware of that temperature, but the longer you're in there, the water just starts to feel normal, even if the temperature stays, the water temperature stays the same. So you have to remember that you're sitting in hot water and not overdo it. Believing all the stuff that is not true is just another way of being in hot water too long. You're uncomfortable, you're unhappy, unfulfilled, and maybe a tad chapped. This is about understanding that we live in story all the time. It's about being able to step back and observe your story. It is also about realizing that we each have only one story, the one that we make minute by minute, hour by hour, day in, day out. There's only one story. I'm not saying this is easy, because so much is subconscious. We have to awaken. We need to pay attention. But the good news is that checking in with the story we're living in in any one moment can be very, very enlightening. Watching how we incorporate other people into our story without their knowing it really can be mind-blowing. Think, wow, I was doing that? And think about how we take other people's stories in as our own. If someone doesn't like something you said or did, that is their story. To take the English lit analogy to a silly conclusion, when you believe another person's story about you and decide to own it, you are plagiarizing. <laughs> You're stealing their story. It's theirs, it's not yours, let them have it. 
Respect your story, even if it contains lies, because you can change your story at the drop of a hat. Respect other people's stories, but don't take them on. Don't be a plagiarist. Allow other people to work through their own set of lies based on knowledge. Respect their process. And above all else, remember that at the core level of life on this material plane, there are facts. The moon is round, as is the earth. Water is wet. There are people, plants, animals. There are facts. It is the lies that we weave around the facts that confuse us, hurt us, and hold us back. Don Miguel says that thinking is the voice of knowledge. We have a great need to make sense of the world, and we sometimes go against ourselves just to have something make sense. Now think about that. What we do that? We do that. I don't like this. It doesn't feel good, but it makes sense. Why do we do that? So here's an idea. This is a suggestion to have this conversation with yourself sometime. What kind of storyteller am I? Do I tell ghost stories? Have I adopted vampires and goblins as my secondary characters? Am I in the starring role as the mad scientist who creates monster after monster, disaster after disaster? Or do I tell love stories? Do I adopt kind, intelligent, compassionate secondary characters? Am I in the starring role of a simple gardener who cultivates life, accepts the facts, respects my emotion, their emotions, and honors the stories of others? Get to know your story and how you make it, because when you turn within and commune with your deepest, holiest self, you stop believing yourself. And you stop believing others. When that happens, you will become the most reliable of narrators, and then your story will become a song. And so it is. We are grateful for the opportunity to share with you today, and hope you've taken something from this Sunday's message. If you'd like to hear more from Spiritual Life Center, be sure to click subscribe on the podcast platform you're listening from. You can find out more about our community on our website at www.slcworld.org. We look forward to being a part of your continued spiritual journey. Wherever you are, God is, and all is well. Spiritual Life Center